Hey everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. An adaptation of Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10 through 17. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of yourself. Give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of America. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me, says the Lord. I've had enough of your showy spiritual facades and the contribution from your excesses. And take no pleasure in the giving of your leftovers. When you come before me, when you come and appear before me, who requires of you this trespassing of my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Thoughtless prayers are an abomination to me. Songs and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly. I hate your sermons and your appointed fellowships. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. So when you spread your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Though you may multiply your prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with criticism and judgment. Wash your hands. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Defend the fatherless. Stand up for the defenseless. When God's people heard those words from the prophet Isaiah, they heard the way that God saw and experienced and felt their half-hearted worship, their compromising religion, and really their hypocrisy. We've been talking about over the last few weeks, Micah 6, 8. What do we do in the meantime? In the meantime of, of navigating through 2020 in this world and this, these ever-changing things that are going on all around us. And what do we do in the meantime? Well, I think that what Isaiah was saying is that it's time to get our priorities right, get our priorities in order. And for, for God, in, in the meantime, Micah 6, 8, it says in Micah 6, 8, it says, He has told you, O oh man, what is good. He has told you what is good. He, he says, this is, this is what is, is pleasing. This is what is good. This is what is beautiful. He says, and what does the Lord require of you? What is, what's necessary? What is essential in these days? In the meantime, what, what does the Lord require of me? And he says, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. 
This is the essential. This is the requirement. This is what is necessary in these days. It's just, you know, to walk humbly with your God. We looked at that last week. And we, it's about loving kindness. And, and, and it's about doing justice. Doing justice. Justice is at the heart of Christianity. Justice is at the heart of God. And Zechariah uh, chapter 7 is a sort of a uh, comparison to Isaiah chapter 1. It says this, Thus has the Lord of hosts said, Dispense true justice. Dispense true justice and practice kindness and compassion each to his brother. So what does it mean to, what is he saying when he's saying to, to dispense true justice? He's, he's saying striving to correct oppression, to defend the disenfranchised, to plead for the marginalized, and to stand up for the defenseless. That's what he means when he says that we are to dispense true justice. Zechariah chapter or 7, verse 10 says this, and do not oppress the widow. So here he's given us a picture of what does it look like to dispense true justice, to show kindness and show compassion. He's saying, do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor. Now, this was a radical idea in that day. It was this was a radical teaching, understanding about who God is of the Bible, this was a radical way. This was, this was the prophet Micah, the prophet Zechariah, Isaiah, others that were saying, this is who God identifies with. So in a, in a male-dominated male society, which is what it was in that day, a male-dominated society, God says, I identify. God is a defender to the defenseless. God says, I identify with the defenseless, and I am a defender of the defenseless. In a family patriarchal society, God is saying, I am a father to the fatherless. I'm a father to the... So any orphans, anyone without a father, he says, I'm going to be that father to him. This was a mind-blowing idea about who God is. He says this, in a race-dominant society where the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, ruled and, and were dominant in that society, God says, I am a friend to the foreigner. I'm a friend of the foreigner. I want to have a relationship with the foreigner. And then in a rich, get richer society, God says, for the poor, I'm going to be a provider. I'm a provider to the poor. Jesus had a mission statement. As a matter of fact, it was quoted in, in Isaiah chapter number 9, but, but this was also proclaimed in Matthew's gospel about what Jesus' mission statement was and the reason why he came to us. It says this, it says in Matthew 12, verse 18, it says, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him and look what, what he will do. And he shall proclaim justice to the Gentiles. Who were the Gentiles? The Gentiles were just non-Jews. Who were the Gentiles? Made up of many different people groups. Made up of many different race. Many different nations. Ethnicity. This was, this was who he was. He says, I have come to proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He goes on to say, he says, In a battered reed he will not break off. In a smoldering wick he will not put out. Until he leads justice 
to victory. And then he did. Jesus came, did his spirit was upon him. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And he brought justice, not to just Jews, but he also brought justice to Gentiles. He brought justice to all nations. And he fulfilled the promise that he made with Abraham that through your seed, Abraham, all nations, all nations of the world will be blessed through you. And that was fulfilled in Jesus. And he brought and he led justice to victory. And as a result of that, he says in verse 21, and in his name, and in his name, the Gentiles will hope. And you and I have a hope. You and I have a hope that is firm as an anchor, according to the Hebrew writer. We have a hope of security in eternity. And that is a hope that will never fail. It is a hope that we long for. It is a hope that we get to go home one day and, and be no longer a foreigner here on this land, but a fellow heir, citizen in, with, with Jesus. That's the hope that we have. Jesus was talking to some religious hypocrites, just similar to who Isaiah was talking about, similar to who Micah was talking about, who, you know, who Zechariah was talking to. He was talking to some religious, half-hearted, compromising hypocrites. And he says to them in Luke 11, verse 42, he says, But woe to you, Pharisees! Woe to you, Pharisees! For you pay tithe of mint and ruin of every kind of garden herb, yet, yet disregard justice. In the love of God. He says, you, you tithe on even the smallest of things, but yet you're missing the most important thing. Yet you, you think that these little you know, things of, of sacrifice will move my heart and will stir my heart. But as he told, you know, as he told Isaiah to tell his people, like, I'm not hearing their prayers. I'm not, this is just a worthless, empty worship. It is just religion is all that it is. He's like, and he says, now, those aren't bad things to give, to give, you know, generously of what you have, even, even to the smallest garden herb. But he says, you're disregarding the most important thing. You're disregarding justice. You're disregarding showing others the love of God. He says, but these are the things that you should have done without neglecting the others. Yeah, it's good to, you know, go to church. It's good to read your Bible. It's good to say your prayers. It's good to, you know, have your, your devotions and it's, and it's good to give. But listen, listen, if that's all that it is for us and we're not doing justice and we're not demonstrating the love of God, he's, we're neglecting the most important thing. We're neglecting the most important Jesus identified with the oppressed. Jesus identified with the poor. I mean, come on, Jesus was born in a food trough. When Jesus' parents took Jesus to the temple, they gave two pigeons, which was a, just a, an offering of poverty. It was the best that they could do as an offering. I mean, Jesus said, the, you know, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of God has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus didn't have a home. Jesus had to borrow a, a donkey to come into Jerusalem when they were declaring him to be king. He's riding in on a borrowed donkey. 
to have a final supper with his disciples, they had to borrow a room to have that. And ultimately, after Jesus was crucified, they had to place him in a borrowed tomb. Jesus identified with the oppressed. Jesus identified with the poor. The Apostle Paul wrote it this way in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through that though he was rich, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. This is the heart of God. This is the gospel. God, in a radical way, taught I identify with the fatherless. I identify with the poor. I identify with the oppressed. I identify with the marginalized. I identify with the disenfranchised. I became poor. Though I was rich, he was king, eternal God, on a throne, had everything that he could ever want because he created it all. Yet for our sake, our sake, our sake, he became poor. He gave up his riches and became poor so that through his poverty, you and I can become rich and we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. That's the hope that we have. So what does God say about doing justice? Obviously, it's a, an important teaching in the Old Testament. It's an important teaching in the New Testament. It's the heart of Christianity. If you're somebody who is walking away from Christianity or thinking about walking away from Christianity, I just want to draw you back to the basics and to the priority of Christianity, and that is just to love people unconditionally. And so if you're thinking about that, if, and if you're a Christian, this is at the heart of it. If you're somebody that attends church often, reads your Bible often, prays often, all of those things are good things, likes Christian worship music, all of those things are good things. But if that's all our faith is, it's empty if we're not doing justice. So what does God have to say about doing justice? Well, the first thing the Bible teaches about doing justice or what God has to say about doing justice is education. We need to have some education on it. You say, well, I don't, why do I need to know how to be educated to do, to do justice? Well, look what Isaiah says. It says, learn to do good. Learn to do good. Seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, and plead for the widow. And he says, in order for you to be able to seek justice, by reproving the ruthless, defending the orphan, and pleading for the widow, is that we have to learn to do good. And that word good there means pleasant or pleasing or beautiful. That's what it means. So we got to learn how to do that. And, and that's not, we're naturally, just like anything else in, in, in life, we have to learn how to do things. We don't just come and are born, come into this world, and we automatically know how to walk and, and talk and, and, you know, all the things that are involved with maturing and growing as, as human beings. We have to learn how to do 
things. We have to learn how to do good. And we don't just learn how to do good. We, just, we have to learn how to do something and make it beautiful, make it pleasant, make it pleasing. So the best way I know how to describe this, but I have to go grab the, my guitar, is I want to help you understand it by leading you in a, in a song. So this is the, the best way that I know how to help you understand this concept. Now, okay, so um, here, here it goes. Now, here's what you already know. You already know that I don't know how to play guitar. And I... Yeah, it, wasn't, it didn't take you long to realize, like, wait a second, like, this doesn't sound good at all. It doesn't sound pleasing or pleasant or beautiful at all. And the reason why is because naturally, I don't know how to pick up an instrument and play it beautifully. It, it requires you to learn how to do it. And the people that can play a guitar or piano or whatever instrument and to play it well and to play it pleasant and to play it beautiful, they have to learn how to do it. It doesn't come natural. You see, naturally, we are broken. Naturally, we are sinners. Naturally, we have a default of going in the opposite direction of the plan and the purposes that God has for our life. That's what we are naturally. And we needed to be rescued. We needed to be brought out of darkness and into his marvelous life. We needed to be brought back from the dead and us to have life in him, in his spirit, in us, in order for us to actually know how to do good and actually know how to do something that's beautiful, that's pleasing, we have to learn how to do that. We need to educate ourselves into how to do that. We need to educate ourselves into what does it look like to seek justice? What does it look like to reprove the ruthless? What does it look like to defend the orphan? What does it look like to plead for the widow? We need to educate ourselves. Naturally, we don't know how to do something beautiful unless we learn. Unless we learn. So he's saying, listen, doing justice it's about being educated. It's about learning to do good. Not to your standards or what you think, because we think naturally, well, I can do good. I know, you know, that isn't natural, actually. We actually have to learn how to do it, to do it beautiful, to do it well. And this is the thing that God says. Listen, I want you to understand. You gotta learn. You gotta learn to do good. The second thing that God, what God has to say about doing justice is that he says it's about equality. And you, we've heard this word these days, and it's unfortunate that we have to be re-educated and understanding what it means to live with equality and be and consider and look to people as equals. It's so tragic in these days where we are in our society, in our culture today, that we have to 
re-understand what equality is about. But this is the way that God says uh, from the beginning, from the time that he establishes people in the promised land. He says, listen, Leviticus 24, 22, he tells them, he says, there shall be one standard for you. There should be one standard for you. It shall be for the stranger as well as the native. For I am the Lord, your God. He said, there should, be just, there should be just one standard for you. One standard. Everybody is treated equal. Whether it's, you know, for a stranger or a foreigner, somebody from another nation, another race, another tribe, another people group. He says, there, there, it should be the same standard for a stranger as well as someone who is a native to that land or that nation. He says, it's equal. It's about equality. And here sometimes, it's, maybe we don't say these things and you know, we don't really even often think about these things, but subconsciously, I think sometimes we behave in these manners where we look at what we have achieved or accomplished and we compare that to someone else. And when we do that, what we ultimately do is that we step up and we put ourselves above someone else. We place ourselves, we say, you know what? I'm smarter than you. I am you know, richer than you. I am more spiritual than you. You know, like I, 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 I have a bit, you know, bigger house, a nicer car, you know. And so we subconsciously sometimes based on in, in our behavior sort of overflows from this because out of the issues of life, they, they flow out. And so we, we sort of look at others and we say, you know what, I'm smarter, I'm richer, I'm more spiritual, you know, I'm in charge, I'm a, I'm a boss, I'm a CEO, I'm, you know, and, and we, we look at others or based on, you know, based on what we, you know, believe, you know, about our standard of, of, of uh, you know, political belief or position, you know, well, I'm a Republican, so therefore I'm better than you, or I'm a Democrat, therefore I'm better than you. So we, we put ourselves on a, a, a step above other people, and, and Jesus is saying, listen, in, in, in the Old Testament scripture law is saying, we are all on the same level. We're all on the same level. Whether they're a stranger, a foreigner, an immigrant, we're all on the same level. There is equality in the economy of God. There is equality in the standard that God has for every single one of us. Regardless of your financial status, your social status, regardless of your position, your title, we're all equal. And ultimately, the cross has all put us in the equal position because we were all strangers, we were all poor, we were all separated, we were all you know, uh, you know, put to death, and we were all in darkness. We were all in the place. He says, we, the cross of Jesus puts us all in the same level, the same level. And so when we get up on our high horses, when we get up on our position of that I'm above you, I'm better than you, I'm higher than you, then we're not doing justice we're doing injustice, and God's saying, listen, we're all equal. We're all equal. The third idea 
when it comes to what, the, what God says about doing justice. It's, it's not just about education. It's not even as much about equality. But it's also more than any of those things. It's about elevate. It's about elevating. And what I mean by that is elevating others. Jesus was so good at elevating other people. He elevated the status of women. He elevated the, the status of, of those who were of different nations, of different people groups. He elevated the status of the oppressed, the poor. He elevated the status of tax collectors and sinners. I mean, Jesus was in the business of just simply elevating people, lifting them up. It says in Leviticus 19.34, it says, The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you. So there's, there's another picture of equality. And then he says, And you shall love him as yourself. Now, now he's elevated. Now he's elevated the standard. Now he's elevated the status. He's saying, listen, it's not just about equality. It's about elevating someone else. It's about loving them as like you would love yourself. It's about doing for the oppressed, doing for the, the poor, doing for the marginalized, doing for the disenfranchised, doing for those who, you know, who are fatherless, doing for those who are defenseless, doing those, but not just e seeing them as equal, but actually elevating them in their status as well. So it would be, look like this. Grab that stool, will you? It'd, be look, it'd look like this. So I could say, I could say, come on over here. For me, I'm the boss, okay? I'm in charge. I, you know, am the one who's calling the shots, you know? And, and, I, and, I, and, and I could say, you know, I'm a man, and I'm the boss, and I'm, you know, have more money, and I'm smarter, I'm more educated. I, I, could, I could say these things, and I, what, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm elevating myself. Instead of saying to Carly, and say, Carly, you know, I don't, I don't want to have a relationship with you based on that, that I'm a boss, I make more money than you, I'm a man, I don't want to have that kind of relationship. So, in, so I'm going to say, I'm going to get off my high horse, my high stool, and I'm going to say, Carly, we're equal. You and I together, woman, man, social status, ethnicity, you and I are equal. You and I, because we are equal because of the value that God has placed on her and the value that God has placed on me. She's created in the image of God. I'm created in the image of God. And at the foot of the cross, at the foot of the cross, we're equal. We're equal. She's image of God. I'm image of God. Regardless of her status or position or my status or position, we are equal. But that's, that's education. <laughs> you, we, you, you need to learn that. And I need to learn that. That's equality, but also that is not necessarily elevating myself. Nope, I'm coming down. We're equal. But now it's saying, doing justice is saying, I'm going to figure out how to elevate her. 
I'm going I'm I'm to figure out, okay, Carly, how can I encourage you? How can I help you? How can I pray for you? How can I let you know that God has a purpose and God has a plan and, and he believes in you and I believe in you and God's gonna do great things. How can I help you succeed in that? How can I help you achieve your goals? How can I help you, you know, make sure that you're taken care of to the best of my ability? That's doing justice. It's not just education, it's not only just equality, it's actually Jesus takes it up a notch and says, you know what? We're to love our enemies. We're to pray for our enemies. We're to pray for those that are different than us. We're to edify and we're to encourage and we're to build up those who are not like us. That's what doing justice looks like. It's not we're on the same equal. (laughs) No, and that this is where culture, this is where the world sort of be, ends with, let's just try to be equal. No, 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 no. Christian, Jesus follower, what Jesus did was Jesus elevated the status of another. Jesus became poor. Though he was rich, he became poor, and in his poverty, so that for our sake, we can become rich. He elevated the status. Thank you, Carly. So it's not just education. That's a part of it. Learn. You got to learn how to do good. You got to see people as equal. But more than that, you should love him or her as yourself. Why, why, why? Well, because for you were aliens in the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. In other words, he's reminding his people and he's reminding us that at one point and at one time, we were aliens, we were separated, we were far from God, we were strangers, we were poor, we were oppressed. At one time, you and I, we lived in that state, in that condition, but God in his mercy and God in his love and God in his kindness and God in his leading justice to victory brought us out of that oppression, brought us out of that bondage, brought us out of that hopelessness, he brought us into his presence. He brought us into his world. And that ought to be a reminder for all of us that those who are marginalized, those who are less fortunate, those who are foreigners, that we were at one point that that was our condition spiritually. But God brought hope because of his love. Because of his love. And you and I should do the same. And that's education. And that's equality. But that's elevating. It's elevating the status of someone. The Apostle Paul said it this way. That we're to consider others before ourselves. And we're to consider others before ourselves. Why? Because that was the mindset of Jesus. Jesus thought about you before he thought about himself. And the reason why he thought about you 
is because you were far from God and he wanted to bring you closer with God. And he had to become a servant and he had to become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, so that you and I can have a chance to no longer become foreigners, but become fellow citizens and become heirs. This, this is what God has called us to do and to consider others and to love others as ourselves. What would we want for us? We should want to do that for others. The last thing is, when God talks about doing justice, it's about education, it's about equality, and it's about elevating others, but it's also just about engage. Engage. Engage in it. Do justice. It's about engaging in justice. It's recognizing, being educated on the injustices in this world and saying, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to seek justice. I'm going to pursue justice. I'm going to dispense true justice. It's about action, taking action and engaging in that. Here's what we need to understand. It says, I'll say it this way. Because it's important that we understand it this way. The sacred and the secular morals. The sacred and the secular morals that try to motivate, or in other words, try to do justice through duty and self-interest will fail. So whether it's a sacred you know, response or a secular morality, Anytime we, you try to motivate through, through responsibility or obligation or duty and self-interest, it will always fail. In other words, you know, whenever you, some, you may, somebody told you, man, if you do this good thing, if you give towards this, this good cause, then, man, that's really going to make you feel better. It's going to be a, a positive thing for you because you've invested in gave to, supported something that was, that was good. And it's all motivated. It would be, it's all motivated by obligation so that, you know, nobody shames me. You know, it's motivated by self-interest, you know, because I want people to get off my back, and so I'm just going to do something so that they stop bothering me about it. And so it's all based on just self-interest. You know, if I do this, I, you know, they'll, they'll stop bothering me, and I can go about my life. That will never, ever sustain. It will always fail. It will always fail. Look, look at Proverbs says about it. Proverbs says this. The exercise of justice, look what it says. The doing of justice, the dispensing of justice, the exercise of justice is joy for the righteous. So it can't be about obligation. It can't be about I ought to, I, I should, and maybe it'll make me feel better if I do. It can't be about that because it will always fail. It has to be about joy. It has to be about understanding, not it's a duty, but it's, it's something that is a beautiful. It's not duty, it's, it's 
beauty. I mean, come on, you, you understand how this works. I mean, remember the time when, you know, when you had to eat, you know, your fruits and your vegetables and your salads and you had to, you did it because it was a, a, a task that you had to do, it was an obligation you had to do, it was your duty, you know, as a family, you sat around the dinner table and you had to eat your vegetables before you could get up and go and play, you know, so it was just an obligation to just do it and get it over with. If you didn't do it, you might get in trouble, you may not have able to play, and so it became, it became an obligation. But Maybe for you, as like it is for me, what was once an obligation, what was once a duty, is now actually something that I enjoy. It's something that I delight in. I, I, I like eating vegetables. I like eating salad. So it's not a duty, but it's a, it's a delight. It's a delight. Maybe for you, it's that, that's a nature, you know, like... Maybe when you were a kid, your parents used to wake you up in the morning to, you know, at times, maybe you were on a, on a vacation, you know. For me, I, you know, we took a, a vacation, and, um, and I was trying to get my kids to get up early in the morning to go and catch the sunrise, you know, and it was early. It was, uh, you know, 6 a.m., somewhere around there, and I could only get one of my kids out of my four up in, in the mornings to go and see uh, the sunrise. It was just because it was just... They didn't, it was an obligation, it was a duty, they, you know, and they were like, ah, do I have to do this, you know? But for me, it was a delight. It was something that was beautiful. It was something that was worth the sacrifice for to get up and do so that I can go and experience something that is beautiful. It's about, it's about delighting in that. There's the delight, and that what will sustain. That's what will sustain. That's what works. It can't be about a duty. It has to be about the joy and the beauty that you get as you experience doing justice, dispensing justice, seeking justice. It's delight. It's delight. This week I was um, wandering around Lowe's and waiting for my wife to text me back about some uh, paint color that she wanted me to get and so what before she was able to get back with me I'm just kind of walking around and you know as you know we all wear our mask out out there in the stores and we have our mask on so I'm looking and I'm looking at I'm seeing my what my neighbor one of my neighbors and she's in Lowe's and she's in the outdoor section where where some of the the brick you know the heavier brick paving stuff was and and I see her trying to pull some of these heavy you know, brick pavers out. And so I'm walk over and I said, what are you, you know, what are you doing? You know, and she said, oh, I'm putting, doing this brick paving thing. And I just, and I need like 50 of these brick pavers and I'm just trying to find good ones. So I'm like, oh my goodness. And she, you know, she's like, you know, 80 pounds, you know, four foot seven. Like she's just a, a little gal. And, uh, and she's trying to, you know, pull out some of these brick pavers out uh, of from underneath the, the racks there in Lowe's. And so I start getting under there, and I'm like, here, let me, let me help you, let me help you. Just let's pull your cart over. And so I'm started pulling, grabbing some brick papers and, and try, trying to find the good ones, you know, and she would show me, like, oh, that's not a good one. Here, grab this one. And so, in the, so I'm pulling them out. In the meantime, some Lowe's workers came over, and she must have sent them on a, on a, on a task, and they come back over, and she says to the Lowe's workers, oh, it's okay, it's okay. My pastor is here helping me. And I'm thinking to myself, don't say that. 
don't tell them that. The reason why I didn't want her to say that and don't want anyone to say that because I didn't want them to think that the only reason why I was helping this sweet lady is because it's my obligation as a pastor to do that. I didn't want them to think, well, it's, he's a pastor, and as a pastor, that's his duty to help people, and so that's why he's there helping people. And I told her, I said, I don't tell people that I'm your pastor. What's more important to me is that you tell people that I'm your neighbor. That's more important. Because a pastor, ah, man, it just feels like this obligation to have to do good and to do good right and to do good well. And to, but listen, listen, listen. I don't want to be someone who only does good and does justice and treats people equally and elevates people's status and engages in doing justice because it's what I'm, my title tells me I'm supposed to do. But I want to love people because they're my neighbors. Because they're my neighbors. Because Jesus says to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor. And to love your neighbor. Who's our neighbor? Jesus told us. It's whoever needs is in need. It's whoever's marginalized, whoever's oppressed, whoever needs help, whoever is defenseless. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Not because it's a duty or an obligation, but because it's a delight. It's a delight. And when you and I love others, and Jesus said, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. And when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And when I was naked, you clothed me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. And when I was a stranger, you invited me in. And those who heard that say, Lord, when did we do this for you? And Jesus says, as much as you've done it unto the least of these, you did it for me. And that is beautiful. That is a delight. Not a task. Not an obligation. It's not a duty. It's a privilege. And the exercise of justice will just bring joy. Joy. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that we're not a church that just likes to gather and have some fellowships and sing some songs, say some empty prayers, endure some sermons. God, I just pray that we're a church that does all those things but more than anything else, they do justice. They, we identify just like you did 
You are father to the fatherless. You are a defender to the defenseless. You are a provider to those who are less fortunate. And God, I pray that that's what we are about. That we go to the least of these and we serve and we love the least of these and we don't even just see them as equal, but we elevate them. We elevate them to figure out how can, how can I meet your need? How can I help you? How can I help you achieve your, your goals and your dreams? It's about putting them, others, it's about loving them, loving our neighbors as ourselves. I pray that that's the kind of church that's the kind of Christian, that's the kind of Jesus follower we are. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining today, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening and watching. Thanks for joining. We'll hope to see you back next week on our live stream at 11. God bless.